Our reading tonight is from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 27. Pick up the right bit of paper. And it's the rich man. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit an eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Amen. Well, um, thank you for the invitation. And thank you for um, turning out tonight, uh, regardless of the competing attractions. Um, you, you may have a sense of déjà vu, because we had this reading not so very long ago, and James preached from it. Um, the eagle-eyed may have spotted that this version was from Mark, rather than um, Matthew, because James was taking us through Matthew's Gospel. Um, and uh, I just thought I'd take Mark's version. It says one or two extra things. But um, I make no apologies for revisiting the same text. Um, these teachings of the kingdom are so rich that they, could, they bear being revisited from many different angles. Um, and I, I don't think I'm going to repeat um, too much what James said. But there was something which really sparked off this, this reflection. It was something that James said at the outset of his sermon on this. He said, it's just so sad. Is there any sadder thing in the whole Bible? And I thought, James, you just hit it on the, on the head there. That's exactly how I feel about it. I just think it's so sad. He's this young man. He is clearly um, very devoted, very dedicated. Um, Jesus, in, according to Mark's version, looks at him and feels love towards him. Um, he's so close to the kingdom of heaven and he lets it slip through his fingers. 
he clams up. He looks crestfallen. He turns his back. He walks away. Defeated. Game over. How sad. Um, and it's, it's particularly sad to me because it really happened. This isn't a parable um, with um, you know, an imaginary vineyard owner who hires uh, hired labour at various watches of the day. Um, it isn't an imaginary ruler who goes off to receive a kingdom and leaves three stewards with differing amounts of talents to look after. This really happened. Um, it, I think it was so significant, it's actually reported in very similar ver uh, detail in the, uh, the three synoptic gospels. And one of the reasons I think it's so important is because it unlocks one of the most important pieces of teaching in the whole of scripture, one of the most important principles. Um, because, sadly, um, the young man clams up. If there's a title to my reflection this evening, it's just say something. I just want to shout at the young man and say, just say something. You know, even if it's helped me in my imperfection or something like that. And I feel, I mean, I can't add to scripture, I can't put words into Jesus' mouth, but I just feel if it said something, Jesus would have said something gracious to him and opened up um, a, a way to the kingdom. But it's left to the disciples to raise the question. And they really are amazed because the wealth would have been seen as a blessing from God. It would have been seen as a hallmark that his righteousness, his pursuit of righteousness and his obedience to the commandments had been pleasing to God. And the disciples are genuinely amazed. You know, who then can be saved if he can't? If you're saying it's um, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for him to be saved, who can be saved? They're left to ask that question. And it leads to one of the most important principles in the whole of Scripture, isn't it? Um, well, yes, it is humanly impossible. Uh, here, I must say, I really like the New Living Translation version of it. Um, yes, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And... I feel it would have been possible for that young man to have found the kingdom of heaven if he'd if it just said something. Um, I feel it's, it relates to us because we've known people, I'm sure we've known people who've been very close to the kingdom. Maybe they've, been, they've had a strong faith and for some reason they've, they've clammed up, they've walked away and it's so sad. I'm sure that we have had our desert times. Of course, we get plenty of oasis times when God feels very real um, and when the pastures seem green, but there have been desert times for us. Um, I think there are two particularly difficult times that we face. One is when something really bad happens in our lives and we think, you know, how, God, why did you let this happen? You're supposed to be a God of love. I, you're supposed to be looking after me. Why did you let this happen? And then there's the other extreme when things are going swimmingly and we can just forget about God. It, it's just too easy and we're getting on fine by ourselves. And I think in those sorts of situations, perhaps we climb up, perhaps we turn away. 
and it's sad. And I, you know, I think I want to shout at the, this young man, just say something. And perhaps we need to, to remember that as well, that there are times when, if it's difficult to talk to God, if there seems to be a silence, then just say something. It doesn't need to be elegant, it doesn't need to be clever, it doesn't need to be theologically profound or crafted or anything like that, but just say something. Um, I'll give you a few illustrations to um, get, exemplify what, what I mean. Um, but the key is, I think, don't clam up. Just find something to say to God to get that dialogue going. There are some people, well, quite a lot of people, actually, uh, who encounter Jesus, who presented with very similar challenging statements or situations, somehow just manage to say something, and that unlocks the kingdom. So, for example, um, there's a woman from Canaan, some versions say from Syrophoenicia. You know her. She's got um, this daughter who is suffering terribly. And she's, she sees that Jesus has come there. And she's shouting after him, you know, um, uh, my daughter's suffering terribly. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And she's making a bit of a nuisance of herself. And the disciples are fed up with her. And they're saying, Lord, you know, send her away. She's just a Canaanite. We don't, you know, that, that isn't our mission. And, you know, she's saying to Jesus, um, you know, Lord, have mercy on me. And he does give her an answer. Uh, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Well, you know, we've heard the sermon which says, oh, it wouldn't really have sounded quite as bad as that back in the day. You know, these would have been terms that people would have used of people from other countries. But, but even so, it's pretty much of an affront um, it, it's, uh, it's a very difficult saying. I could have quite understood if that woman had just clammed up. I just thought, oh, that was rude. Well, you know, he clearly can't help me. I, should have, I, I shouldn't have thought any better of him. I'll just stick to my own people from now on. But fortunately, she, has, she doesn't clam up and walk away. She, does, she just says something. And it's quite a something. Um, she said, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And that really wrong foots Jesus. It's sometimes said that that's the only time he changed his mind. Um, when she says that, again, that, it sounds a bit shocking to our ears, but when she says it, it always reminds me of the old HMV record label, you know, his master's voice record label. Um, I don't know if it still exists as a brand, but I remember it uh, very much from a childhood and even visualised the 78 RPM shellac records that my granny used to have with her wind-up gramophone. And the label on this HMV, his master's voice, was a distinctive red label. And it showed a dog cocking its ear up against this phonograph. You know, it had one of these metal cones. And I suppose the implication was that the fidelity of reproduction was so good that the dog actually thought it was listening to his master's voice. And she reminds me of that. You know, it's like she's saying, um, I may be a dog, but I recognise my master's voice. 
And it isn't one of the false gods of Canaan. It's, it's the God of Israel. He's my God. I recognize his voice. And this so amazes Jesus that it unlocks grace and healing. Uh, something humanly impossible. Basically, Jesus says, you'll have to change your ethnicity. Impossible. But not with God. God can adopt us. God can graft us into the vine. God can make us children of the promise, regardless of our ethnicity. Thank goodness that woman didn't just clam up. Thank goodness she just said something. Then, um, then there was a man, um, a father, again, with, with a terribly disabled son, deaf-mute son, uh, who had terrible seizures. And he hears that Jesus and the disciples are around and he goes out to, to meet them and see if they can do anything for him. The, the only trouble is that when he gets there, there's just some of the disciples around. Now, the accounts say that the, the boy was demon-possessed and, of course, Jesus has given his disciples authority to cast out demons. Uh, he says they'll be able to do great healings, but for some reason they can't. Um, uh, Jesus is away at the moment, up a mountain, with um, Peter and James and John. But eventually, Jesus comes back down the mountain, and he hears this, this big kerfuffle going on. Um, we're not told what it's about, but I, I can guess what it's about. I would hazard a guess, knowing that there are teachers of the law in this, in this crowd. I would guess that the teachers of, of the law have been saying, well, it's obvious why you can't heal him. You're charlatans. And you're like that fake leader of yours. And so this argument is breaking out. And Jesus comes down and says, you know, what on earth is going on? And the man explains, um, you know, he's got this son who's deaf, mute and suffering terrible seizures. And the disciples haven't been able to do anything for him. And Jesus says something along the lines of, oh, you faithless generation, you unbelieving generation. How long will I have to put up with you? Well, I wonder what's going on in the man's mind at that time. He's probably heard Jesus' teaching that, you know, if he had faith that big, he'd be able to move a mountain. He's probably heard that Jesus couldn't do miracles when he went back to Nazareth because people didn't have faith in him in there. He was just the local carpenter's son. And now Jesus has come along and said, you, you faithless lot. Is that the problem? Is that the reason the disciples can't heal his son? His lack of faith. So, you know, um, Jesus um, said, you know, says to him, um, you know, what, what, what's, what's the problem? And, you know, uh, the man explains and he says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. He's given the game away there. He said, if, if you can do it, all the doubt, the lack of faith is creeping in. Jesus says, if you can, everything's possible for one who believes. Oh, at that moment, I think the man might have clammed up, thought, ah, right, that's the problem. I don't have the faith. I don't have the belief. Um... He could have clammed up, walked away. But fortunately, he just says something. I, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. 
I find that one of the um, most striking things that people, anyone says in the New Testament, I can just hear it. Uh, I find it gut-wrenching. You know, I can just hear the desperate father saying, help me in my unbelief. It wasn't an elegant, crafted, clever prayer. It was, he just said something, and it came from deep within him. It was so sincere. And Jesus, of course, that unlocks the healing grace. Jesus is able to heal the boy. Humanly impossible. The man had that faith gap. He couldn't bridge it. It was humanly impossible, but not impossible with God. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. And so he just said th something. Thank goodness he did. And um, the impossible became possible. Um, there are many situations like that that I could have cited in the Bible where somebody just says something, but I'll, I'll just do one more example. Um, there's a, a woman who lives in a town on the shores of Galilee. And again, you know her. She's suffered from a, a discharge, a horrible discharge for many years. And she's spent all the money on doctors. And the, the problem has only got worse. Um, but she, she's heard the prophecy that when the Messiah comes, he'll be, uh, he'll have, be so godly that he will have healing even in the wings of his garments. We know that prophecy is from uh, Malachi. She might not have known where it was from, but she would have known that when the Son of Righteousness arises, he will come with healing in his wings. And that is referring to the, the, the hems on the, the garments that they wore, known as the wings, and which had tassels hanging from them, uh, which were reminders of the commandments and Israel's unfaithfulness to the commandments. But the Messiah would be so full of power that even just touching the wings of his garment, the hem of his garment, would bring healing. Now, she really shouldn't be in there. She's breaking all sorts of taboos by being in there pressing against people in her condition. Certainly she shouldn't be going and touching the garments of a holy man. The law is quite clear on the matter. Uh, Leviticus 15. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than, other than at the time of her customary impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as the bed of her customary impurity. And whatever she sits on shall be unclean. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. Heavy-duty stuff. She certainly shouldn't be going in there pressing against people and touching the clothes of a holy man. Um, but she does so, and she feels herself healed. And then we all know what happens. Jesus says, somebody touch me. Oh, come on, Jesus. Everyone's pressing against you, the Places, place absolutely crammed. No, somebody touched me. I felt power go out of me. And according to Luke's version, everybody denied it. Well, I don't suppose the woman actually said, it wasn't me, but presumably she just stayed stum. It would have been so, she'd already felt better. It would have been so much easier for her to have just clammed up, said nothing, slopes off quietly. But Jesus presses the issue. And fortunately, she's brave enough to go up to the 
and, and tell Jesus what had happened. She impresses me. She's like that pupil in the class who's brave enough to go up to the front and say, please, sir, it was me. And she's trembling. I'm not surprised she's trembling as she tells Jesus what she's done. Think of people here, why she's there and what condition she's in. They would have been judging her and saying what terrible sin must she or her parents have been committed for her to have this illness. What would a scribe or a Pharisee have said to her? You sinful and unclean woman, how dare you come in here and defile us. Go away and isolate yourself immediately according to the law. Now I shall have to go and ritually cleanse myself. What would they have said? But not Jesus, no. Because she's brave enough to go up and just say something, he's able to cleanse her. Humanly impossible. All the doctors had failed. She'd been left without any money, but possible, Jesus cleanses her. Uh, it's not impossible for God. So, if only, I come back to that young man, if only he could have just said something. I say, I don't know, I can't add to the Bible, I can't put words into Jesus' mouth. But I do think, you know, oh, why didn't he just say something? There are other examples where people have managed to say something, and it's unlocked healing and grace. Grace was available to people then, it wasn't just something that happened after the resurrection. God's grace is as old as the Bible. Um, he just, it didn't need to be elegant what he said. I just think, could he not just have said, help me in my imperfection? And Jesus might have come out with that gracious teaching to him. In fact, Jesus asked the impossible of all of us. He could have, if it's, he, he says to us, it's as difficult for us to get into the kingdom as it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. It certainly is. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you won't get into heaven. Impossible. Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Humanly impossible, but not impossible with God. God can reckon righteousness to us. Jesus can be our perfecter. And I think that's what we need to remember. You know, when, if we're ever tempted to go silent on God, to clam up, to turn away, we need to remember, um, just say something. Our house group has, um, during Lent has been following, um, the, or did follow, the Tear Fund Lent series, uh, which was written by one of the staff members called Gideon Hugh. He's actually recently left them to move on to pastures new, but he's been with them for many years. And he's a poet, amongst many other things. And as a poet, he often has that ability of poets just to say something which really smacks you between the eyes and you remember. And um, he had one particular reflection during Lent when he was talking about how we mess up. Okay, we, we get things wrong and... Um, you know, we can beat ourselves up about it. Now he says, don't do that. You're not a bad person. Of course we want to do better. Of course we want to change the bad things in the world. But don't beat yourself up about it. Don't just think you can just always strive to, to get everything perfect. You won't. Come to terms with your imperfection and other people's imperfection. Um, he said, um, and this is the poet coming out in him, don't redouble your efforts double down on grace. I wish the rich young man could have heard that. 
I think he is striving so hard to be righteous. He's putting so much effort into keeping the commandments. He wants to know what more he's got to do, what more effort he's got to, to put in to cap it off with eternal life. And I think Jesus needed to shock him a bit and say, that's not the way to do it. Kingdom of heaven's upside down. Um, you don't need to redouble your efforts. You need to double down on grace. Oh, if only he'd said something. If only he hadn't just walked away sad. I, do, I really think that Jesus could have found grace for him. Sometimes we can be a bit like that. Certainly some people that we know can clamber upon God. We can look the other way. And God isn't going to come and frog march us back to faith. Jesus doesn't stand at the door with a battering ram to break the door down and drag, drag us out of bed. He stands at the door and knocks. Well, if we're going through a bit of a desert patch, if we're going through a dry patch, or if somebody's talking to us who is struggling with the faith and they're, they're looking for some reason to come back to God, if you hear that knock at the door, well, one temptation is just to clam up, look the other way. But the other, the other possibility is to go, to go to the door, open it slightly, just say something, Accept God's power. Don't redouble your efforts. Just double down on grace. Amen.